Okay, let's let's rip off the band-aid. Um what's the deal with that hipster clicky keyboard thing I heard last week? Mm. Yeah. Um I've been listening to too much upgrade. Mm-hmm. And so I got sucked into trying the here I can here. This is the Keychron K4 version two. And I opted for the version that has just a white backlight. I've got enough RGB lights in my um in my flight simulator rig. And I went with the the brown switches, the the non hot swappable ones. Are these cherry switches? Maybe they're um oh, I, I feel I feel like Mike talks about that sometimes. <laughs> um they're uh Gatoron switches, I think is the name for them. <laughs> Gatorade switches? And Gatorade switches, yeah, that's right. Gatorade mm-hmm. switches. I swear to god I just Googled Gatorade switches and it brings up mechanical keyboards. <laughs> um so, so wait, so did, but did you get the because listening to enough of um fussy people talk about keyboards that are very loud and probably give people RSI. Uh they always talk about the the cherry switches and then the MX switches. So how do you how do you spell Keychron? Uh it is spelled K E Y C H R O N. Oh, okay, like the chronicle. Okay. Right. Oh, this is wireless. Correct. Yes. Yeah, and there's there's many different models, you know, with different sizes and you know ones oh. that have 10 keys ones that don't etc oh it's linux compatible mm-hmm. i know i know that was big for you that was that was the main feature for me yeah um you have to love a website where they um so if you scroll down if you're at keychron.com um they have just like this the, like a random like the keyboard on there but then they have like a fancy mechanical watch so they know the type of person that they're marketing to <laughs> and and no and no shade no lemonade i mean like that's Oh, that's, 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 so wait, let me, do you want to tell me how much it costs or should I try to build one? Uh, no. So this cost, um, it was uh, 69. Sorry, the K2 or the C2? The K4. Oh, okay. Yeah. K4. And they give you, they give you a handful of options, um, including either just having the backlight be white or having the backlight be RGB. They've also got an option that has the RGB backlighting with a slightly sturdier aluminum frame, and then you can switch between having the switches be hot swappable versus, well, not hot swappable. I guess. Well, what, but what does that mean? Does that mean that like if a key breaks, you can't repair it on the other one, or what, it, what would be a swappability be? Because I've only it, heard hot swap in terms of like hard drives and external storage. It means that there would be no soldering required. Oh, hmm. but you so, know, I'm I'm nowhere near that far down the rabbit hole here. So just the regular gator on switches is what I went with, and then Jason Snell is all about the the brown switches. So that's why i i picked brown so eight follow-up questions question one the backlight on this is it does the light shine through the keys where like the actual key lettering is illuminated or is it just kind of shining like 
around solid plastic. I can so also I um there's I'm a not, picture of this in the I'm not currently using it because well maybe we can get into this, but I've generally really liked it, but the one fault it has, or the main fault it has, is that whenever you and I are chatting or when I'm on my hours and hours of Zoom meetings every day, um it's very loud. <laughs> uh-huh. Um well, I feel like... see if the listeners can um before I answer your um, backlight question here, let's see if they'll give the listeners a little sample here. I think I think this will come through. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I think I think that'll make it through the noise gate. Um, so the so the 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 lights. Let me see if I okay. Can we can we stay on the sound for a minute? Yeah. How is that not getting a household veto? The well, it's I mean, it's not like you can hear it from all the way across the house. Hmm. Huh. It and the sound doesn't bother you, like I guess like so with like with a lot of like thing like when we talked about this kind of with like making espresso and other stuff like a lot of it is like the tactile mechanical feel and that's something and I think that's something that actually kind of uh it, it's it, it it's kind of like an, an old man thing a little bit but like yeah is is the does the sound satisfying is the sound does the sound not bother you because most people with related to technology try to eliminate fan noise and eliminate excess sound so what's what, where does that rank for you and was that a, a benefit or what was it I, I like the sound i don't know if i'd go so far as to call it a benefit but it's it's kind of neat okay so so i can answer your backlight question now the the backlight sort of just shines up kind of in between the keys mm. but it looks really really nice it's it's one of those things that obviously it doesn't translate all that well over an audio only program but but the the lighting does look really nice um for some reason you can do all kinds of different effects with it it's 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 very unclear to me what you would ever use that for well don't don't you have ram in your gaming computer that does like uh like a laser light show for some reason it does yeah but that would be or that is a bit less distracting than having my keyboard do that. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, I, so I, I can, and maybe I'm, I'm preempting some of your questions here, but like in terms of like why I bought this thing, um, I mean, I feel like there's only so much upgrade you can listen to before eventually getting kind of sucked into some of this keyboard stuff. Um, but in addition to that, you know, I mean, I obviously <laughs> spend an absurd amount of time sitting at the computer here, so... Part of it's just, you know, it's something a little different, something fun to try. I mean, I haven't had a mechanical keyboard like this in a long time. And then the other thing, which is very, very hyper-specific to my use case, um, being an accountant, is that I do quite often use the 10 key, as you'd expect from, you know, any any good CPA. And I use just a Apple magic keyboard that's got the the one with the the 10 key pad on it Mm -hmm. it's a really really nice keyboard i like this keyboard a lot it's it's the one that that i'm using now the main issue with it though is that it's very very wide because of the way the keys are laid out like the 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 10 key is is way the heck off to the right hand side 
And so what that means is that your mouse then, as I'm, I'm right-handed, so my mouse is on the right-hand side of the keyboard, it's sort of like a bit uncomfortably out to the side. So um, this key, what I liked about this Keychron K4 is that you still get the 10 key, but it's a much, much more compact keyboard. Like if I put it, let's see, if I put these things next to each other, you know, I'd say the Keychron is at least a couple inches more narrow than the, the Magic Keyboard is. Hmm. Um, so anyway, I don't know. It um, takes a lot of getting used to <laughs> going from a, a keyboard that's got very little travel, like the Magic Keyboard, to something like this, which has, you know, a ton of travel. But um, it's, been, it's been kind of fun to try out. Do you think this is going to stick? Well, I mean, the, the the problem, like I said, is that, and I just, you know, and maybe this is just a classic type of mistake I would make, but the thing I just didn't think through when I bought it was the fact that it was going to be too loud to use when on a Zoom call or, you know, in conversations like this with you. And it's it's not like I necessarily do of typing in either of those contexts but i do enough where i have to be conscious if i'm using the keychron and have to remember to mute my microphone whereas i can use this magic keyboard and basically type without you know my microphone picking that up so so i don't know i i'm i'm sort of swapping between the two for now and and we'll kind of see how it um how it shakes out so even though i have an aversion and and kind of uh like points against with this type of thing i do i mean it's it, it's a worthwhile experiment and for and for the money like i feel like 70 dollars is a pretty low barrier to entry just to kind of play around with this type of thing so i mean i think this this gets that, the that was kind of that was kind of the thing is that when Jason and Mike were talking about these things, I sort of assumed they would be quite a bit more expensive, but I don't know. There was one episode, I don't remember if it was on the regular episode or if it was an upgrade plus, but they kind of had this extended keyboard conversation and they talked quite a bit about <laughs> like, the Keychron. And was, was that an intentional joke? What did I do? Oh, you said extended, extended keyboard conversation. Oh, good for me. No, I, did, I didn't do that intentionally, no. Um, but we'll edit that together though, to make it sound like it was intentional and drop the marker here. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, I just, I looked up the Keychron website after and I was like, oh, okay. Now these things are actually pretty reasonable. And, you know, I, I've, I've been using this magic keyboard for, I mean, this is way pre, you know, pandemic, but it was also in the context of this space was a space that I occasionally worked at you know so it wasn't a space where i permanently worked um but you know through all the other changes i've made over the last year the keyboard has largely stayed the same so the keycon uh, keychron was kind of an opportunity to mix that up a bit hmm. okay well i mean good, good for you i mean uh and i yeah i hope it, i hope it finds a place in your life and i also assume that you will be 
an avid viewer uh, or you'll be somebody who your homepage will be uh, M, uh, Mike.live where he does <laughs> weekly live streams of him just building keyboards for fun, which is uh, it's cool. I don't, I don't really. So in addition to obviously changing the switches, which is a bit more of an involved process, you can also change just the key caps and that's relatively mm-hmm. straightforward. The keyboard actually comes with like a tool to do that. Uh, you know, I don't know, like, maybe it'd be fun to have like slightly different colors on this thing but like i i don't i don't really think that's something i'm going to get super into i mean you could make it all teal show your your support for the uh the local <laughs> sharks i could yeah. yeah so what so what is um enough about my keyboard what what is this thing that you sent me well no so i was suggesting that so well that that was going to be my follow up question cuz i re- uh thought we were on the same page about the um the what is it called the microsoft sculpt ergonomic so that's what i used in my office remember those but it's now in a um a box in the office mm-hmm. yeah i mean like because that's that's the keyboard that i love and i don't think i could ever get because it, it the nice thing about that keyboard is that it has it feels like a like a really good laptop keyboard doesn't it like the key travel like the keys are soft but like still i don't make this so that somebody can't clip it out um the, the keys are soft but firm and have the right amount of travel to them so they like it's kind of perfect but it, it does feel weird as a keyboard as a desktop keyboard but i like it i feel like that um along with my uh weirdo logitech um i think it's called the mx trackball ergo because I'm, I'm a trackball person like that's it's in terms of like the ergonomic like anti RSI um type thing like that that's my ideal setup so I thought you were on a similar train with that but your point about the ten key is a legitimate one because if you remember that um Microsoft one comes with just this wacky like solar calculator like separate ten key thing which never really stuck with me. So, yeah, but that, that's actually one of the things I like about that keyboard, though, hmm. because it gives you the ability to keep your mouse closer to your keyboard while also having the ten key. So wait, so I guess would you would you in the old days would your layout be split keyboard, mouse, and then ten key on the right? Yeah, it was kind of like in the upper upper right, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Okay, like you're like you're reaching for control center. Got it. <laughs> just like that so so to be but clear the, this link which i'll have in the notes this um logitech or, or logi as you would say um you don't use this keyboard even well, though so, it does look quite a bit like the sculpt but you well, do no, so, use this weird ass looking mouse no i don't use that one so again what is it the mx ergo trackball so, why, yeah, so, so I, I, you sent me the, the, the K860 wireless split keyboard. Did you mean to, to send that to me? Yes, that wasn't an, uh, an unfortunate accidental paste, which sometimes happens. <laughs> Got to be super careful before you hit enter these days. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll, um, we'll just let that be. <laughs> no, no. Again, it's never nothing catastrophic has ever happened, but sometimes you'll just have like a very specific link to like a a, a, a famous corgi on Instagram, and mm. people wonder why that's not the thing it was supposed to be. Sure, um, there have not been any not safe for work uh, <laughs> accidental pastes. Uh, because the problem with that is even if you, even though you can edit and delete a post, um, notification center is forever. 
Hmm. Um, but I have this one, which is called the officially the Logitech MX Ergo Advanced Wireless Trackball, which I strongly recommend. Like, I don't know how to uh, try to um, nudge people into the trackball way of life, but like, it's really good. Like, it takes a couple days to get used to, but especially if you're somebody who like one, if you're on like a, a, a big ass iMac screen, or if you use Excel a lot, or if you're in a place where you're just in, or Lightroom, where you're doing a lot of mouse movement and stuff, like it's it's very good and uh, ergonomically it's fantastic. The scroll wheel has the the perfect amount of movement. Like that's one of those things where it's kind of like you know like sometimes the scroll wheel just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah, the only downside that I hate about it is that it recharges over micro USB, and I keep trying to excise everything in my life that has micro USB on it. But this and my my fudging Kindle will those are going to be the bane of my existence. There's actually to make this into follow out about upgrade again. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago there was an ask upgrade question about what would you want in like a what what feature do you want in the next Kindle? Yeah. I was very surprised that the obvious answer wasn't make it USB-C so I can, so everybody can get rid of that damn cable. Mm. But, yes, I mean, that trackball is great. But the reason I brought up is I keep getting targeted Instagram ads for this Logitech keyboard. And because it's it's tough to find, because there's a new version of the Microsoft split keyboard that does have the 10 key built in, but but, but it, which would work for me, but I know for you, it's, you would say that it's too wide. But the issue with it is that it... Um, it's Bluetooth, not like USB RF. So I don't know if you've used, well, I mean, you probably had this with the magic keyboard a little bit, but like it's sometimes like, you know, so you haven't used it in a, in a few minutes and there's kind of like, it takes like a second if you haven't uh, done any input in a while. Yeah. The, the key, the key cron, which is Bluetooth. I, I noticed that with it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that like, that's the kind of stuff that's, it's just like those types of minor paper cuts that just drive me up the wall. Right. Um, so that's where this is kind of intriguing to me, but I don't, well, I actually, I'm wrong to say this. I was gonna say, I don't like that on this one. One, I like, I like that the Microsoft one actually has like the middle part of it is actually like cut out. Oh, well, visually, I just think that looks nice. But on this one, they have both the Windows and Mac um, modifier keys printed on it. And I was gonna say the Microsoft doesn't do that, but I forgot that I had to actually go buy stickers to cover up the Windows logo on this keyboard. Yeah, I remember so you. Count. Yeah, you sent that to me, or you gave me the link to that. Yeah. So anyway, so what one day, uh, or actually, if if um, Logi wants to make an influencer program after I said all that nice stuff about the trackball, if they want to send a review unit that may or may not have a requirement to return it, they can do that. I'm kind of, I'm kind of intrigued by by this keyboard. I'm not gonna lie. Because I don't think I, it I, solves your because what it sounds like is that you don't like or maybe you're not just a big uh, page up page down or home like that that is the one thing about the Microsoft Sculpt that I liked is that page up page down and home and end are all on a single row or sorry single column so that they're not taking up like an inch and a half of space in the middle of your keyboard. I'm because try. I think that 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 middle that middle section right there is the part that you don't like is that 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 is making the keyboard wider than it has to be. Well, I'm, if, if you can buy me some time here, I'm going to try to, um, compare the width of sense. this versus the Logitech. This is what people tune in for. So yeah. So the, the Logitech keyboard is actually even wider <laughs> than the, um, the magic keyboard. Yeah. It's about, well, yeah, that uh, makes sense. 
It does. Yeah. It's, it, I thought maybe because of the way the keys were kind of angled, maybe that would. Yeah. And I can't tell if the, like the T key is literally like two keys together. Like that just, that just looked a little funky to me. The, oh, huh. Yeah, that is, that is, it's kind of strange. Like the, the six, the T, the G, seven, H and N are all kind of funky shaped. Yeah. And also this desk makes me, it's, it's unselling because of the T and apparently like just like the stray wheat grass up in the upper <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you anyway. know, it, it, it took me. I don't know if you go way back in the archives on this show, I'm sure you could find some episodes where I talked about this. It it took me probably like two years to get used to that Microsoft keyboard. It's <laughs> um, a lot of time. It is a lot of time, but I, I stuck with it and ended up really liking it. It's really good. And you got to use that. Um, I, what's it called? The negative negative I, angle, negative slope thing where your, your wrist is all up high to force you to use it with adequate uh, ergonomics. I love that. I did, yeah. And it seems like this Logitech one does something kind of similar. Um, but I mean, yeah, obviously I haven't, <laughs> haven't used that keyboard in uh, well over a year now. So, um, well, hmm. anyway, yeah, let me, let me know how your, um, if you have any additional keyboard adventures. Because I, I mean, I'm sure there's some type of sound dampener, or there's like I, I well, there, yeah, there is. You, you can something. buy, you can buy sound dampeners for this keychron, and it, or just type on a blanket. Just put a, yeah, put, put a throw <laughs> on top of the keyboard, and then because you're 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 not a hunt and peck kind of guy, you're you're you, you know where stuff's at. I, I I do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. All right. Well, yeah, because I wasn't sure if you were because because you, you you um you dodged that question last week, so I weren't sure if you were going to entertain this or I, if that was just kind of a going to be a a pretend it didn't happen. I, I think thing. I think that was like my second day using it, so mm. I didn't really have a lot to say yet. So you thought you were going to be a mechanical keyboard poser? No, 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 nothing, nothing like that. All right. Uh, move on to follow up. Let's do it. All right. Did we talk about the gigabit internet thing on the show briefly, or was that an online offline conversation? So I actually put this into follow up because yeah. oh, you had offhandedly mentioned, I think, during one of our um, upstream knockoff um, segments where we were talking mm-hmm. about you potentially thinking about kind of rethinking your whole Xfinity setup and maybe even cutting the cord. Or I was and, I was just mad that my bill started with the number two, and then you have more than I did, including HBO Max in your package, and it was like fifty dollars less than mine. Um, yeah, pricing is weird with Xfinity. Um, anyhow, um, so you you recently online offline shared with me that you upgraded to fancy gigabit internet. And so my first question to you before we get into maybe the cable modem stuff or whatever else is, does this mean you've cut the cord now or do you just have TV and faster internet now? No. So I, I could have sworn we, we briefly, this might've been like right before, before chef special last week where we, I, I gave some, uh, like some finality to it, but no, so I, I called him, talked to a very nice person um in retentions and they were able to give me i think the official package is called x1 starter pro 
So I still have, I have basically the exact same TV package, even though I don't watch any sports. And I think I'm officially like symbolically, I still like the giants, but I think I'm over baseball forever. I just, I just don't have the time or attention for it. Um, so yeah, I don't really ever watch TV anymore, but I do like that it is there for playoff sports and cable news, regrettably. <laughs> but yeah, so I have the, so, you know, so for the, for the regular hate watch of Rachel Maddow or the four minutes just to see what the other side is watching, I'll turn on Tucker Carlson and just get really mad and I just turn it off. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, so I have the exact same TV setup, and then the previous package I had was called something, something X1, something, but with, with blast, uh, with an exclamation mark. <laughs> you, are you, wait, um, are you, are you putting me on blast? No, it's, it's like nice, but it's with blast. Mm. So it's, so it's like a g- good kind of blast. Yes. I'm not sure about the bad kind. Isn't when you put somebody on blast, isn't that, isn't that bad? Yeah. I think that's a very, very 2000 and late term. I think we're all <laughs> about canceling people. Got it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so now uh, they're like, oh yeah, 275 megs isn't a thing anymore. I either have a hundred megs or I have 400, which I think is what you have. And then I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Like, can you, can you just see, cause I always start the conversation with like, what, what would this cost for just internet? Because like $200 is just too much. And then eventually they're like, okay, well you can get TV in this, but I don't have anything with your same internet speed. Uh, cause 275 was a real, real weird number. So like, well, we can, we can have the one that's a thousand and i was like okay well how much is that with the with the unlimited data add-on that i've been bullied into paying because like i actually don't use that much but i do get awkwardly close to 1.2 terabytes a month a lot like 60 megabyte raw files add up a lot and i'm yeah i just yeah so anyway i got something where i think all in with auto pay unlimited data and gigabit internet it was down to 165 which i was satisfied with i guess i don't know anyway so but the thing is so did we talk about the cable modem stuff i don't know so we both i had what model do you have because i had the one that you had do you you think i have my cable modem uh model memorized you think i think think it's 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 housemate social security number uh (laughs) (laughs) um and then, and then, yeah, cable modem's probably right up there. Uh, let's see. So, if and I then, Mike, through... and then Taylor Swift's birthday. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, she's, the... she's one year younger than both of us, by the way. Uh, it's terrible. Um, Fauci's eighty. <laughs> uh, so, this is the. I'll, I'll put a link in the notes, I guess. The Motorola M seven twelve seventy six twenty one. Close. Yeah. So I had that one as well i remember i was doing some infrastructure upgrades i got a bunch of ubiquity equipment which apparently has all been hacked by china i don't (laughs) know so it's still good Uh, but here's the thing so a a quick sidebar about the ubiquity stuff like i guess like i i've never trusted remote administration for that so i've had all that crap turned off so i mean i think i'm safe and i do this regular software updates but like i don't know who wants to manage their home network out of the home that's so that was like the the question that I had when sort of hearing about that stuff was it wasn't clear to me how that would impact somebody like you, but I mean, you're you and like Marco were probably the only two people using that stuff in their like houses and not in their office. So it, yeah, it is enterprise equipment that is <laughs> that weirdos sometimes use for home stuff, yeah. but it's, it's very reliable and good. Like I do like that. I've got a very large, 
uh, 16 or sorry, 24 port POE gigabit switch where I can just like lead on to run power to stuff like that's neat. But how many of those ports are you using just out of curiosity? 13. Wow. Like, I mean, I, I like, cause in my server closet, I've got the, the Hubridge, the TiVo, the Synology, a Mac mini, the Apple TV, uh, ethernet running to my iMac, um, my laser printer two access points. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Two access points. I have, so this, I don't know if we've ever talked about home networking, maybe on a slow week, we'll do that. But I have a dedicated 2.4 gigahertz network only for smart home stuff mm. because i this is probably very outdated thinking like the same thing like back when like in the 1990s people thought like oh you had to warm up the car which or, is very bad for the environment or um uh, drain your battery occasionally well that was true back in uh nicad or nickel whatever what was it nimh there were things there were batteries definitely that had oh do you, do you mean about cars no, I, I mean what you're talking about, the battery. Yeah, yeah no, those thing. old batteries before lithium-ion, they absolutely had memory. Mm. So that was a thing. It was probably still bad for the environment and, and bad for the battery too, but <laughs> um, lithium-ion batteries, like that's, that is one thing that people still have to get beaten out of them, which is that you don't have to like let it drain down to 20%. Although actually I will tell, tell like it is actually good to let a lithium-ion, like a, a modern electronic device, get to zero maybe like once a month like it is good to not just get to like 75 percent and just keep recharging that same 25 percent but it's definitely not the old way where people were buying radio shack uh rechargeable nimh um double a's and and worried that they were gonna have like short life or something (laughs) what were we talking about uh by keychron keyboard no um really where were we we were talking about uh your fancy gigabit internet but but somehow we got to ubiquity okay so oh yeah so so the 2.4 gigahertz network so i have that for smart home stuff because i i feel like wasn't there like old like uh conventional wisdom was like if you have a low power or like a 2.4 gigahertz device on your network that would make it so that like 802.11n or 802.11ac like it was limited by the slowest device on it is that made up i mean it probably that, is but no that used to be a thing that's no longer a but, thing I, okay. but i and i also think you're mixing up 2.4 and 5 gigahertz with i think it was like b and g Wi-Fi, where it was like G was, you had a B was faster, but if you had a single B device on the network, the whole network would run at whatever B speed was. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably true. But anyway, so that's that's why I have two access points. I have one super fast, like like it only allows devices that support eight hundred two eleven AC, and that's basically for my Macs and my iPads. And everything else goes on the 2.4 because I don't really care how quickly my Echo Spot is able to access the internet. And so those have two different network names. Yes. So the one for the computers is called Mountain View and the one for everything else is called Adelaide. All my wireless network names are after cities. Got it. Anyway, so if you're coming to figure out which house is mine, that's how you can know. Um (laughs) And my Wi-Fi network password is not very complicated. (laughs) 
No, because that's one of the things that I dislike a lot. Is do you ever one? This is a lot. Of, like again, I stayed in a lot of Airbnbs where I'm like, God, like knock it off with the 25 character the, the, random the one, ass alphabet password generated. <laughs> like because that's the thing of like. You're, it's not secure because, like, I'm like that shit's just like printed on the bottom of your cable modem. Like, that's not helping anybody. But also, like, that's that's not a high security device. Like, if you, how do I think of a password where I don't accidentally say mine? Which again, only matters if you're within 300 feet of my house. Um, like, you can have a very like memorable password, like um. Oh, like Buster Posey was the best giant exclamation point. And that's very easy to remember. And that's a very, very secure Wi-Fi password. Like people don't have to do all this nonsense where they think something that's like impossible to remember and they have to keep on a sticky note on their like HP iMac knockoff. Like that's not helping anything. Right. I don't know. Anyway, gigabit internet. So you have, so we both have like, so back when I was doing that, you ubiquity like home networking upgrade. Cause I just had like a hodgepodge of like net gear, random ass like uh, whatever their like almost enterprise equipment was like the stuff that's blue i think it's called pro safe or something um sure <laughs> I, th- I think I, I think i might have uh bullied you into getting one of their routers or oh i did <laughs> that, that's a nice not not router but uh or their uh, switch. switch yeah the switch yeah, is very good. nice yeah yeah it's, it's mm-hmm. like it's very basic and it's and it's built like a tank and it's great yeah mm-hmm. um yeah so the the so the cable modem that we both have is it was that one but apparently it's a doxis 3.01 which theoretically like i like we were we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago where i got like four different answers of how how what internet speeds it can support like the box said it can support up to, you said it can support up to 400 megs and the box says it supports up to 300 comcast website said allegedly it can support up to 600 but they don't offer plans that are 600 and anyway overall when I, mine still got the same like 300 megs down that it was getting before so I was like, okay, well, I guess the modem's not compatible, I guess, question mark, shrug emoji. So I went and bought the, uh, crap, oops, didn't mean to minimize that, Motorola MB8600, is that it? 6800? 8600. So the, yeah, so this one is, it's $150 for Motorola. It's a Doxis 3.1 cable modem that, uh, supports six gigabits a second. I don't think anybody offers that anywhere um but yeah works great it supports the gig speeds of comcast it the speed tests um i think they go to the theoretical maximum that a single uh 10 100 1000 port can support which right. is 940 megs down yeah um but the biggest thing so i don't care about any of that because I, I never really felt my old internet was lacking the big thing here is that so comcast and also like just all cable providers because of the way upstream and downstream channels work on coax the it is not symmetrical at all and i think the plan that you and i both had it was it's like 10 or 15 down at most mine was definitely 10 oh, you mean or sorry up, up. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's fine but like if you're doing anything more than like if Dropbox happens to start like uploading a bunch of stuff while you're doing a Zoom call, like it, like stuff gets pixelated and it's, it's no good. Mm-hmm. So the big benefit of this gigabit thing is like, I mean, because I, again, I didn't think it was that slow, is that it's 40 up, which is not, I mean, certainly not like Fios from Verizon on the East Coast or CenturyLink up in Seattle uh, where it's uh, symmetri- uh, symmetrical gig speeds. But I mean, it, that is a huge difference. And I'm, I'm, that's the part I'm excited and happy about. And that's been 
much better because sometimes I will like just I'll do an export from Lightroom of like maybe some 24 megapixel JPEGs and they're like 10 megabytes a piece and I throw a folder of that in Dropbox and like it's just it's just uploading for like 40 minutes and I'm like come on so that's that's been the huge upgrade so hmm. if gig speeds are available in your area call Comcast and see if there's a way to get that at a reasonable price because even though the downstream doesn't matter because like really I don't think anybody needs more than like 300 like i just can't really see how that's like we're going from 300 to a gigabit matters for anybody but for upload that's 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 where it's at yeah i i think well so i mean there's a couple things with me like one i actually pretty recently just purchased this modem that that you were previously using as well because i think my situation was we had a plan that originally was like 300 down maybe, but then they, they upgraded it to 400 down just kind of just because. Or maybe they just don't like neighborhood infrastructure upgrades and maybe it just, yeah. Something like that. So I got like an email one day that's like, hey, you know, we, we at no additional cost to you have, have upgraded this, the speed of your internet plan, but your modem, you know, is not compatible with that. So I, you know, bought bought this Motorola modem to to then support that extra bit of speed. Um and I'm not quite due for the the pricing conversation with with Xfinity, but mm-hmm. I guess I don't know, I guess maybe the next time I am I'll I'll ask about it cuz I I think we have gigabit available here. I'm not positive, but I think we do. Yeah, yeah it's worth the conversation. Yeah uh cool and then again yeah still thirty dollars it, it, that is the other part that seems kind of egregious and dumb which is that you can get super fast speeds but again even if you're on gig speed and you you still have to pay thirty dollars a month for actual unlimited internet which is really annoying i don't know yeah all right uh this is something that actually came out a while ago but we just it was not on our radar but um Back in early March, HBO announced, or Warner Media slash HBO announced that they were going to make an ad-supported tier of HBO Max. Um, and I assume it's not going to be f- entirely free. It's probably going to be like a Hulu with ads, or a, a oh, what, what's is is what's the enter the starter version of Peacock? Is it just Peacock? Peacock minus. Hmm. I'll, I'll workshop that a bit okay you're 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 in, you're, you're the tony chow so you can you can uh sweeten that in post <laughs> um yeah so i mean i i that, again most of this is just my attachment to hbo as like a cultural entity well that feels hbo has always been no ads other than hbo that's had ads for its own stuff which i've always found like i, I always like those but um yeah I don't know. I, I, I've, I, I again the the whole AT and T Warner strategy to using the HBO name and trying to make it into a more general purpose streaming service. Like I don't, I don't hate it. Like I don't want to. I don't want to be a hater, and I do understand the need for like if you're trying to compete with the Netflixes of the world and and like you know um uh Disney Plus like everybody who's just trying to like t- well it's mostly Netflix that's doing like the shovelware approach, but like, I mean, they have a lot of content. You kind of have to try to compete. But I mean, you know, making HBO ad support is kind of weird. 
Hmm. Yeah, I guess I didn't really think of that with this, where even traditional HBO, like one of the things it's kind of been famous for is, is not having ads. So, well, it's, yeah, it's like the difference of like watching like a movie on TBS and it being a hour 40 movie and it gets cut for content and spliced with 45 minutes, minutes of ads for a two hour movie and HBO though. It's just always like, Hey, here's, here's the movie. Well, and even with something like game of Thrones where, I mean, sure. You know, if you, if you're watching with a DVR, you can very quickly skip through the commercials on any show you're watching, but there is something about just yeah. not even doing that and just it's being much able more, to watch straight through. Yeah, it's much more movie-like where you just know that, hey, this was designed not with, hey, we, we, we got to fit two and a half minutes of ads in here. Right. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, what is, so what's the deal with the Sonos Roam? So the reviews uh, came out or uh, dropped, I guess, as you would say, today, mm -hmm. and generally seem really positive. Um, I guess the general gist is that, you know, it sounds basically as good as a speaker of its size could, um, which, you know, that's, 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 that's a compliment, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um yeah, it's it's a product that I wish I had a use case for because it seems really neat, but I just don't know how it would it would fit into my Sonos setup. Well, I mean, you're you're not doing like group hangs at Dolores Park right now. I, I'm not. No, is is this not the time for that? I don't think so. No. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, this this is yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. Where where there's not. I think like both of us with our with our current setup, so there's not really a need for it. Just because I mean, most of the time you're going to use Bluetooth headphones, or you maybe would take a better speaker. I I, I don't know. Because I'm thinking, um, I mean, I guess like the context would be if you were traveling somewhere where you know, I guess this would especially be true if maybe you were like flying somewhere where you'd want to bring a speaker but your bag space was a little more limited so you wouldn't want to bring something like the move um but i guess that that gets into what we were talking about a bit i think when we've talked about the room before which is then i'm not really even sure why you're buying a sonos speaker necessarily and why don't you just get a, you know a nice bluetooth speaker that probably sounds just about as good and is quite a bit less expensive yeah. Um, the one thing I will say about that is that, that, I, that your point is fair, but I do feel like 169 is is very cheap or it or kind of doesn't really have the Sonos premium at all. Cuz Sonos stuff is is always uh 60% more expensive than it should be. And this seems like a like I I think when we first talked about when this got leaked um before the official release, like 169 seemed really cheap for what it is. Yeah, I don't know. Like the, it, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think you're right about that. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, yeah, it seems seems really neat, but, um, yeah, not not sure how it would it would fit into into my setup. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, lost care. Like, yeah, the iOS. Okay, so can I? Uh, let's. Oof. Okay, let's let's mix up a couple of things here. Um, you want to talk about? Do you want to do more complaining? 
talk about Tesla, which probably will include complaining. Uh, well, like, yeah, you, okay, you, you pick. I'm indecisive today. What, what am I picking between? Anything. Anything on the list outside of follow-up. <laughs> um, I, I'm fine with getting into the Tesla stuff. Yeah. So do you want to tee this up or do you want me to do it? I, you, you tee it up. Okay. So apparently, I, so I'm, I, I'm a reluctant Reddit user and I will generally go to safe places on it like r slash uh, Trader Joe's and r slash um, Corgi. But apparently there is a Tesla subreddit and somebody, uh, and this was spotted by Jalopnik, which is a, um, a car blog. And somebody posted that with a, a open thread with the title uh, "Serious Serious Thread." What if uh, what is Tesla's exposure like financially and legally? If FSD, meaning full self driving, doesn't make it into owners' hands, because as we have talked about a lot on this program uh, for the past six years, how how long has Tesla been basically saying or been been selling something that doesn't exist yet? I think 2016 was when they came out and put a label to full self-driving and 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 put a stake in the ground saying any car built past some certain date would have the hardware necessary to be full self-driving, which has proven to not be the case, but that's kind of a, a different story. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so the question overall was, what be, because well and and that's why please put a link to this jalopnik article because it 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 as young people say it brings the receipts where it it points to kind of how even as of right now tesla markets this on its website um and also many uh, many tweets and statements of the um ambitious founder uh, basically saying in uh, 2018, 2019, and many other times uh, that, hey, uh, yeah, full self-driving where you just say, hey, drive me to SFO and it's just going to do it for you. It's it's always there except um, the football or the goalposts or whatever your metaphor would be keeps keeps shifting. But yeah, it's, 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 I just think it's kind of an interesting thought exercise of what, what does happen if somebody, because what is the cost of full self-driving right now? Because there's, well, there's no more middle tier, right? Right. Because when you bought it, you bought the four thousand dollars. You bought whatever was the one that gets you, uh, like the smart. Well, actually, what autopilot actually is, uh, very nice cruise control. You have you have that one, but you don't have your car that can run people over while approaching you in a parking lot. <laughs> that's that's correct. So my so every Tesla comes standard with what is now just called autopilot. I had purchased a package which is no longer available called Enhanced Autopilot, which gives me everything that Autopilot does, plus Navigate on Autopilot, which is a bit of extra functionality that you get when driving on the freeway, where your car can automatically change lanes to get around slower vehicles. It can automatically change freeways across like an interchange, um, etc., and then I also get um, auto park and summon, which I believe are also not part of the standard autopilot package. Hmm. Oh. Oh wait. Oh yeah. So you did try summon. Okay. Never mind. Um. Yeah. So they've been this, and you paid four thousand for that. I believe so. 
And as a result of that, my price to upgrade to full self-driving is less than if you're someone who is is buying full self-driving today. In fact, I can actually, I can tell you, I can go into the Tesla app and it's literally an in-app purchase that you can make. So Apple gets 30%? It's a good question. I don't know how that works. Um, I, there's no way it's an in-app purchase. Or it's probably an in-app, but it somehow dumps you into a web page. And it's probably not high enough volume to, uh, mm-hmm. to get flagged by Apple. So yeah, so if I open my Tesla app, go to upgrades, I think it's like the only option that, yeah, that comes up. Um, oh, they've reduced the price on it. It's, it's Ooh, bye, down. Bye, bye. <laughs> Wait. It's down to 5000 um it yeah. was it was at one point like i thought like six or seven thousand when i looked at this one time but i mean rather than wasting money on an nft or something i mean this like you're you're both paying for, for useless non-existent things but i mean maybe you get that um so yeah so so the post so again yeah so the post is uh i'm often chast the the original redditor says i'm often chastised by other owners for taking a serious rather than optimistic view of the company but it seems to me that F, uh, fsd full self-driving pre-sales constitute a contractual obligation for a specific set of features and that at some point the failure to deliver on those promises is a breach of contract subject to not just refunds but perhaps penalties and other legal action and that makes absolute sense just because it like like there's a lot of companies like like Waymo and Cruise, and there's, there's a lot of companies that are that are doing the hard work. And I don't, and I'm not saying that Tesla isn't trying, but again, like we've had, and I don't know if you, this might be one of those things that where we we agree to disagree, but I just feel like one full like actual what was it called level five autonomy, which is the one where it's actually legit, like it drives itself. Level five, yeah, yeah, like where that's going to be super hard. If if not, maybe it's kind of like asymptotic, where it just is kind of like never quite get there but in in the way where there's no human intervention like just like kind of like just like where super is the super cruise level two or level three that i believe is considered level three gotcha like yeah like where it's just it's going to be really hard to actually get there just because as we've found with uh uber's struggles in in that specific self-driving space that they've actually completely exited like it's it's a challenging problem and uh, Tesla has basically, in, even in their current uh, marketing literature, has basically said that, yeah, this this car is going to straight up drive itself. Where Tesla has very clearly sold a bill of goods for something that will be fulfilled in the future, but may never be possible in the life of the car. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I'm, you you are not a lawyer, but like, how what what do you think about this general issue? And also, I guess we can kind of extrapolate something we've talked about a lot, which is the irrationality um, of the Tesla uh, owner community to overlook failings and just be kind of like um, idealistic and uh, maybe um, hmm. like like they they want to be- they just they want to believe they want to believe Bigfoot's real. And they want everything that comes from the company to be perfect, even if it doesn't. Like they're like, "Oh yeah, my my I I own this two ton RC car that can try to find me in a parking lot," but they don't actually kind of think about like, "Oh yeah, this this actually isn't anywhere close to what I thought I was buying." And now I have a thing that will, 
uh, it just start it will start breaking when it approaches a stoplight unless I step on the gas and somehow that's self driving. Yeah, so the, the reason that I enjoyed this thread and and the article about the thread so much is I feel like it crystallized a lot of my thinking about Tesla and specifically about autopilot and some stuff that we've I think sort of gotten into a little bit here and there on the show um like especially that line that the original poster includes around you know being sort of a a more like serious observer of, of Tesla and not an optimistic observer mm-hmm. like that's very much how I feel um which is also not to say like I'm coming at this from like a place of hate I mean I mean I've said this many times on the show like I absolutely love my model three like i'm not a car person never really have been but it's it's awesome i love it and i think autopilot if it weren't for the promises of it eventually becoming full self-driving and to be honest if it was called something other than autopilot i think that would help too um it's really really good i mean other than maybe Super Cruise, it is like by far in a way the best driver assistance package out there. I mean, there's lots of different versions of adaptive cruise control and lane centering, many of which are really, really bad, some of which have gotten a lot better, but few, if any, have gotten to the level that that autopilot's been at for some time now. Um but so I guess with all those caveats sort of out there, like I really do share this opinion that, you know, even though I really, really like my car and really like autopilot, I mean, I, I can tell you through, you know, going on three years of experience with the Model 3 now, I mean, th- this thing is like, it's nowhere near self-driving. Like it's, 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 you know, pardon the pun, like it's, it's miles away from that. Um, mm. and not only that, but there's not other than like the occasional Elon tweet of like, oh, it's coming out by the end of the year, which I think has come out like the last three or four years in a row. Other than that, like there's no real roadmap for how Tesla gets there. And, you know, this article actually even calls out this point where there isn't even yet federal regulations around how to regulate fully autonomous vehicles. Well, like, and, and I love that part because it explains that that's not what's holding this up. You can't say that the government doesn't want to let it to happen. They have, they don't even have something that is, I mean, they do have something that is dangerous that should be regulated, but technically government hasn't caught up to it. But it's not that, oh yeah, you know, California won't allow us to do this. It's that they don't really have anything to try to implement to be regulated. Well, and, and somewhat related to that, like, which is sort of a, a story which came out around this time, which I, I don't know, maybe even influenced this original thread, which is you know, Tesla's had this, what they've been calling full self-driving beta that's been out there for the last few months. And something that I've been really curious about along with, you know, others who cover Tesla are, is like, how is Tesla allowed to just ship what they're calling a fully, you know, self-driving package out into the world? And the answer is that the way that they represent this to, um, I think it was the California DMV was 
um, like, oh no, 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 like this isn't actually you know full self driving. This is this is just a um, driving assistance package because you know it it does <laughs> it does have the same requirement around keeping your hand on the wheel um, that you know a regular autopilot has. So it's just a, it's a really really good example of how a lot of this is just sort of um, kind of like hand waving where you know tesla's marketing and you know elon's tweets are saying one thing but that just doesn't line up with what they've actually shipped and even what they're kind of getting ready to ship through these these future features and i mean i'm I'm not i'm not a lawyer and i mean as i joked earlier i'm an accountant but certainly this is not would not be my area of expertise um like i don't know how how this works where if we're you know five seven eight years down the road and tesla still doesn't have anything even close to full self-driving which i i think is is a totally possible outcome here (laughs) like at what point does does tesla sort of get in trouble I, i i have no idea Yeah, and and apparently, like a lot of people seem to think, so there's a disclaimer that Tesla provides, which apparently really are, like argues, like yeah, this is, this is their get out of jail free card. Is it says the currently enabled features require active driver supervision and do not make the vehicle autonomous. The activation and use of these features are dependent on achieving reliability far in excess of human drivers, as demonstrated by billions of miles of experience, as well as regulatory approval which may take longer in some jurisdictions. As these self-driving features evolve, your car will be continuously updated through over-the-air software updates. And a bunch, a bunch of the defenders in this Reddit thread are, a thread are pointing to that as being like, oh yeah, well, they, they, they said it might not work, and that's good. But then, but, <laughs> but, the, I, but then I don't know how they would be allowed to charge people for that today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, yeah. I I don't know. Again, I mean, like, and this actually seems like a pretty civil Reddit thread, and and again, not all parts of Reddit are bad, but uh, but people should go check this out. It's actually it's a pretty good read, and I do and it's a good on, good on Jalopnik for highlighting this in a non sensationalistic way or something like yeah, I mean, because again, we talk about it a lot, and Elon Musk is a, is a super big schmuck, and I dislike him, and he's a COVID denier, and he's a lot of bad things, but Tesla has done. And actually, this might actually transition to the Tim Cook thing. Did you listen to the Tim Cook Sway interview? I did. Mm-hmm. He did. You hear the part where oh, I loved it because I, I like I, I thought about posting his lack, but I didn't have time to make an audio clip of it. But uh, Tim Cook doesn't say he likes Elon Musk. He says he's uh, he's um, ad, he ad, admires the company he created. He phrased it in a really beautiful Tim, way. Tim Cook through that whole interview is he's very very careful how he picks and chooses his words yes that's a that's a very nice way of putting yeah the person's kind of a piece of shit but i I do like what he's done um yeah tesla like like again it's it's a cool company that that makes that that has pushed the ev market and the auto industry forward in a way that had they not existed we would not be thinking about even though a lot of it's a pr stunt and bs from gm but where people would be saying that oh yeah we need to electrify all of our models by 2025 or 2030 and we need to like otherwise, we'd we'd still be like they'd still rather than introducing an EV Hummer, they'd be trying to, whenever gas prices are low, sell like a fourteen mile per gallon suburban to people. Mm-hmm. But I mean, 
there needs to be rash like and and I feel like it felt like it might happen as Tesla became more mainstream but I I just feel like the the critical eye is still not necessarily there where I don't know, maybe, maybe like, again, I, I haven't been on Twitter in two and a half weeks, like who even knows, but maybe, but I feel like the discourse around the company is still very much like cult of Elon and this is actually going to happen. Like I, I want to, like, I, I want to be able to read my Kindle while, while I'm, while I'm getting, while I'm going to, to, to Santa Rosa or something, but I, I just don't think that's going to happen for a long time or ever. The thing that I would love to know is how many people who've purchased a Tesla have opted into this full self-driving package and I, even currently like how many like what's the conversion rate like how many people are buying teslas and and saying oh yeah like you know part of my buying decision here is that i'm also opting in for the full self-driving package like that honestly i can't be that high of a number right i i would say people who bought no self-driving and get to get an upsell i think that's fairly low i and again this is this no, just uh, uh, shooting shooting in the dark. Like I, I would say, that's probably thirty to forty percent. I think a lot of people think that they that would be like, oh, because it's kind of it's it's the the loss aversion thing where if somebody's all like they're they they've committed to making a forty to one hundred and ten thousand dollar purchase, they're like, well, yeah, I'd be I'd be a sucker to have to pay extra for this later. And I think people, I think a lot of people buy into the Tesla marketing bullshit. So I think probably like 40% of people pay some amount. Like, I mean, and I mean, you did like paid some degree of self-driving, but but, right now, but, but now, but, but to be, again, to be clear now though, autopilot is included in the price of the car. So there is no, there is no extra money being handed over for autopilot. The only upsell there is is the yeah. actual full self-driving package so there's I, no there's no way that's 30 to 40 percent of buyers no I, I so i think it's probably 25 percent with the current situation but back in the old days where you had those two tiers i do think that was probably closer to 40 well yeah because i think at the time that i got my model three it may have been something like like two thousand dollars more than what i had paid something like that then would have gotten me the full self-driving package, um, which, you know, in retrospect now, good thing I didn't go that way. Not that I ever even really considered it because I sort of thought this was exactly the way it was going to go. But um, I don't know, 25% even that seems that seems too high to me. I think I think yeah, well, I think people buy Teslas for the same reason that I did, which is they 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 like the car they like the current set of features i my counterpoint would be how many people have purchased himalayan salt lamps <laughs> you know what that is right no google it and i you will immediately know what it is okay himalayan salt lamp where i just there's a lot of people that want to believe in things that don't that aren't what they are and i got oh, probably like it's like the thing in the in the late nineties where every every family bought one of those fucking like a uh, little like waterfalls oh, that you plugged in. Okay, yeah, I, I, I see these things now. There's a lot of people who will buy a lot of st- it's the same same reason why everybody had had a what like a thigh master. Like everybody wants to buy like they. It's just that that is what it is. And I don't know, again, hmm. anyway, people should go check out the thread. That's a 
Yeah, we got more on that than I thought we would. Okay, so let's talk about Tim Cook, and then we'll all complain about bagels and Google Sheets, and then we'll go from there. Okay. All right. So uh, Kara Swisher, who was one, I think she, she was, so her history is she was with the Wall Street Journal, and she, along with Walt Mossberg, did that, um, the All Things D conference, and then she moved to being one of the founders of Recode, which was purchased by Vox, I think. And then recently, uh, in the past year, she has moved to The Times um, as a technology opinion, opinion uh, columnist or reporter, and also has a podcast called Sway, which is pretty good. Um, whoops, accidentally clicked play. Um, I hadn't been a subscriber before, but I think I saw on Twitter I'd seen various episodes and links and had listened to it. But yeah, she uh, she gets big gets in terms of uh, people to interview. And um, this week was Apple CEO Tim Cook, and they had a 30-minute pretty wide-ranging discussion uh, about a lot of stuff. Um, and she is somebody who I feel like she was less adversarial than she normally is in this interview, but she was very, she was still very much out there in terms of just asking direct questions about the, the Epic lawsuit. And what else did they cover? Um, now the gap store pricing, uh, Epic, uh, privacy with Facebook. And what, there's one other biggie. Uh, they got into the, um, ar stuff a bit they got into the car stuff a yeah bit. they got into voting rights a bit oh yeah 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 so um yeah where do you want to begin or what what, what do you think well i guess like overall impressions well actually sort of like this side note inside baseball podcast stuff this this was my first episode of sway that i've listened to mm-hmm. the thing that i really don't like about it and podcasts like it is it's way way too overproduced like it, mm. it, like to the point where it doesn't even really sound like they're having an actual conversation. Like it's so heavily edited. Like even it seems like the pauses between the time where Kara asks a question and Cook answers, like even that seems to have been shortened in some cases to the point where it just makes the whole conversation sound weird. Like ATP used to be that way too. And I think maybe Marco's eased up some on that. And you're sure you don't like because I don't use Overcast, but you don't have smart speed. No, or no, no, thing no, that strips no. silence. Yeah, no, 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 none of that. Um, uh, I didn't, I didn't get that, but I, I can kind of, I can kind of see that. And sometimes the daily feels like that a little bit too, where there's you it feel does. like yeah. it's either like very much intentional pauses or sometimes not enough. But yeah, I don't. Okay, yeah, go. I get that. It, but anyway, um, yeah. like the high level takeaway, I guess, before we get into maybe some more specific stuff, um. The phrase curation and curators came up all through the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I find that to be one of the more obnoxious things about Apple in general. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that they think all algorithms are evil and that, you know, everything in order to be good has to be human curated. And specifically human curated by them and by, you know, by their editors. And, you know, he brought up like Apple News and Apple Music as as some examples of that. And I, I get really turned off by that because, I mean, who is Apple to self-anoint themselves as like the arbiters and editors of all things music and news? Like, I, I don't know. I, I think that's that's a weird it's kind of a weird stance for Apple or a weird view of Apple to have of itself. 
So real, real quick, just to, to rebut that a little bit. So I, I, I think that's, so Apple being disingenuous and lying when they say that they're doing that, because yes, there is human curation and editorial uh, direction on the app store. But I do feel that they, if they were actually, so I, th- I think human curation and not living in an entirely algorithmic based world is really important. And in that case, you would think that I agree with Tim Cook, but I don't because he's full of shit because they don't curate what actually matters because you have apps and in uh, John Gruber has been on this beat for a while, which is you have apps that are like, it, it's like, sure it's free, but it's mostly a shovelware app and it's not very good. And their whole reason for being is to try to rope you into an in-app purchase that's like $50 a week or something like where like that, that is curation. If they were trying to uh, filter out apps that feel scammy, that would be the necessary curation. But the stuff that abuses in-app purchases, the stuff that actually makes Apple tons of money because they can extract their 30% cut from it, that's the stuff that they're not curating. So that, that's the part where I, I do buy his point and think that that's actually accurate. Where Because if you, if you think about everything as being purely algorithmic, I feel like that's where you end up with like a Facebook problem where it's just kind of engaged. And that is actually one of the things that I guess we'll get into his actual conversation where he brought up a good point, I feel, where he talked about engagement over all else is something that is kind of dooming the world. And I actually think that's actually true. But I think that's also what's corrupted Apple, which is profits over all else. But sorry, please continue. Um, I guess the... um, The part of... like To get more into the specifics here... Like the part of the conversation that I thought was really interesting came towards the end, which was the the voting rights conversation. Mm-hmm. And sort of what was interesting about that to me is that, as Tim Cook is in in sort of any kind of public interview or remarks, he's he's very very tightly scripted. Like he knows exactly what he's going to say, why he's going to say it. He doesn't say a word more than he needs to he doesn't go off script like he's he's very you know tight with with his with his public statements and he was throughout this entire interview especially when you know Kara was pressing him about the facebook stuff and about the app tracking stuff and he was very very careful like really not to ever name facebook specifically and and sort of make it a point to say well i can only speak for apple and blah 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 but then with the voting rights stuff he I mean, he kind of like just he just kind of let it rip there. And he's like, yeah, we should be able to vote for our smartphones. Why not? Like our 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 health health information's on there. You know, I think oh. he had he had some line about like there's way more personal information on your phone than there even is like in your own house. And like it's sort of just the you know the way he was so tightly scripted with everything else, but then just sort of so flip about like yeah, we should just be able to vote from our phone. It was was just it was a high a high contrast kind of um uh moment which you know i i kind of enjoyed but was just surprised by yeah yeah i mean like that that part was good but like in i uh, not to move immediately off of that but like the other part that i really liked is when he so this kind of dovetailed in i don't know if this was leading out of or leading into the facebook um or like the app the what's it called att ask uh ad tracking transparency right where he made it like i didn't i actually had never heard the speech or the whatever he wrote or, or gave where talking about um privacy as a human right but there was a thing where he mentioned 
something along the lines of if everybody knows they're always being watched or monitored, they're less free and less likely to express themselves or or they'll do less in society. Yeah. And that's something I honestly had never considered, but I do think that's absolutely that, true. That's that, one was, thing. that was a good line. Yeah. And and that's something that also like in my own personal life that actually bothers me because like and we'll maybe talk about this one day, but like there there are a lot of people who are uh discussing kind of the surveillance capitalism world and also the just kind of the regular surveillance world where how, I, I assume you walk around your neighborhood a bunch. Like, how? Like, uh, out of every house, how, what percentage do you think has a a Google doorbell or a, or a Ring doorbell? It's pretty high. Like, just the whole like you can't really walk around your own neighborhood without having your movements indirectly tracked by somebody else. And this has been the big knock against like the UK, where that's kind of like one nation under CCTV. We're under like just just constant perpetual tracking, whether it be online or in real life. That that somehow also has an influence on shaping human behavior and how willing we feel to be human beings is actually something that's actually super interesting and i hadn't ever heard it expressed that way in a really succinct way so yeah i thought that was actually really really interesting mm-hmm. but i mean yeah and, and it, that, that was what like, again you you talked about this where does his his points about the, what their philosophical position is and how each software release has been designed to a degree with privacy in mind and also how if technology platform makers and social media companies had kind of known where things were going to end up now we probably wouldn't have gotten to the point where we were where we are now like things have been designed very differently versus like the kind of thing where we just kind of social media companies are just asking for more and more and more and eventually they can kind of create an identity for you without any of your input where if that was all designed like whole hog today that would be a very very different story but also there was the part where it just doesn't it it doesn't feel a very um honest in how he wasn't necessarily explaining why and it's not it's not his job to explain it but why the business models are different and where apple can can afford to uh, have a holier than thou position because also they don't necessarily live by their own standards and their economics aren't tied to that type of thing. I don't know. And it kind of plays around with the, or plays into the app store discussion where there was just kind of this weird distant thing where they, they act like they have, they, that's the part that about all this is, this just gets really irritating is that, they make the rules and they, st- they and, and Tim and Phil and everybody and like their defense is always that uh well they're, they're just they're just being the enforcers and they're trying to curate a fair environment and make sure everybody's paying their global minimum app store tax uh to go into this morning's nice. the daily. Nice, yeah, nice. Yeah, except you don't need to know what you need to know today. But um they to to pretend that they aren't the ones writing the rules was just it, that was a point that like through that entire 10 minute part of the discussion that just was super irritating because it's intellectually dishonest. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had this conversation before, I think around, I would have so much more respect for Apple if their argument for the app store fees that they charge simply just being, yeah, we created the app store. We, we want to we want a cut of what's on there. We maintain it. We made it. It's popular. People are willing to spend money on it, and we're taking a cut of it. Period. 
And I, you know, I, <laughs> I would, I would respect that answer. Cause I mean, cause that, that is the answer. Like it's, it, it's not any more philosophical than that. It, that's just, it, 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 that is what it is. Well, mm, it, yes, but well, and, and so and into my next point, that goes kind of to what he said is apps, app, app store fees have never gone up. They've only gone down, which I was, I almost like was literally like yelling, like, fuck you to the radio because that's such, such nonsense because all of their problems, like Apple is a super, super profitable company and makes a product that most people like. I mean, but, but it's, it always comes down to with Apple to the stuff that makes the money. Like what are, what are, what would you say the top three things are that make people mad about the iPhone? I'm really only looking for one answer, and you can probably guess what it is. I actually don't know. Five gigs of iCloud storage. Mm. People who get a $1,000 iPhone 12 Pro and are they get a pop-up every two weeks that says, hey, there's not enough uh, space in iCloud to back up your stuff. <laughs> it's my, it, like, I just spent $1,000 on this phone, and you won't let me back it up. And how much does Apple want from you to destroy your experience on the phone and make you kind of dislike Apple? A dollar a month, 12 bucks a year on a thousand dollar phone. Like it's it, it when, whenever Apple like the, Apple at its worst is always whenever it's Apple and their money, which again, their company, of course, it's, it's always about their money, but the same thing where like all of Apple's problems would go away if they just said app store fees were 10%. Like nobody would be arguing for competing app stores. Like they could still keep doing their curation thing. They could take a harder line stance against scam apps and apps that are obvious knockoffs of existing apps. Yes, they would lose service revenue money, but they would avoid so much animosity from developers, regulatory scrutiny, and so many other things. And they could just like keep charging whatever they want for the phones and just keep growing. But they just won't do it because they're being too short sighted about the app store money. I mean, because like, I, I don't count on the U S government being an effective regulator here. And like, I mean, God willing, like I, I hope the Biden administration is able to close a lot of loopholes and, and, and fix a lot of things, but like, they're just not equipped to fix this. But Apple's greed is 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 messing up a good thing for them. Like they're they're they don't know what they have, and they're just they're doing too much. And because here's the problem: like if and this is way off the point of of Tim's actual interview, but like if we get to the point where somehow they get legislated, where there need to be they need to all allow other app stores on the iPhone, the app store the iPhones are going to suck. Like you're, it, it is not going to be a very secure place or a place where it is like, hey, you want an app? You go to one place or you just you tap the blue icon on your phone and you go there. It's going to be so much worse and it's going to be something that Apple did to themselves because they were greedy. I don't know. But yeah, let's bring it back to the Tim article or to, to the Tim interview. Like, so yeah, she like asked like, yeah, well, like why can't there just be multiple places, multiple stores? Like because you're taking your cut and he, I forget what he said, but he said something about like, because that eliminates all like, the the privacy and security advantages or something, but right. Um, but yeah, did you, did you see anything in the Epic discussion that you thought was, it was interesting? No, I mean, that part of the interview was pretty short. Yeah. Um, and then what about the, the, the Facebook stuff? 
where he very much went out of his way to say basically, hey, we're not targeting Facebook. And I think he even had a line of saying, like, we don't even think about. Oh, she asked, um, do you view Facebook as a competitor? And it was very, very much reminded me of the the drawn the Don Draper. I don't think of you at all. Elevator scene. You know, it, th- that was the way it was sort of summarized on upgrade. Oh, did they bring that up? Oh. They they brought it up, but then when you actually listen to the interview, he caveats it by I well, think like, his next line is like, "Oh, well, you know, we we compete in some areas, but but we're not a social network, so we don't yeah. we don't really consider them a direct competitor." Which I. And that's not a very controversial statement. <laughs> it is, but but he did he did for four seconds. It was it was a pretty good burn. Yeah, but uh, actually, but in the good point that or the, the what you bring up there is that uh, one uh, with a deep cut. Kara brought up ping, which I thought was very funny, yeah, and, and also Tim, and, Tim and Tim laughed hard. He, at he laughed. It. He that was a yeah that was a rare kind of self effacing <laughs> moment. Which it was very much like oh yeah that that was garbage. All right, good, <laughs> nice nice job. Um. I mean, I I don't know. I I would love to see if 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 you got a contrary view here, but I don't really see anything wrong with what Apple's doing with the privacy, nutrition labels, and the the ATT stuff. Like that all kind of seems reasonable to me. No, the 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 thing that I would complain about is that Apple doesn't have to operate by its own rules. Uh, because Apple does get a lot of highly granular, specific, and vaguely anonymized usage data that they don't have to play by their own rules. But again, they're the platform maker, and that's a different discussion. But no, absolutely, fuck Facebook. Like th- th- their whole thing. This is this is the same thing. This is the same thing Republicans do, and it's it's like where they'll anytime you try to curtail something that they're doing that's bad for society, they'll be like, oh yeah, but think of the think of the little guy, or like or like you're raising tax cuts. Well, yeah, that's going to eliminate jobs. Like it's stuff like that where I don't buy Facebook's whole thing of like how will businesses survive if we can't uh, ingest the the highly specific behavioral data of 1.8 billion people in order to allow Jim's Donuts in Atherton, California to to adequately ta- target the soccer mom that lives in Palo Alto. Like that, that get, get out of here. Like I, I I don't believe that at all. So so no. So the app tracking transparency is is great, but again. It goes back to the same thing of again, Apple, whether it has to play by its own rules is is the the difficult part there. Yeah. And I do and I do really hope that Apple keeps cracking down on because there have been a bunch of um tracking firms that have cropped up that are uh, marketing analytics SDKs that you can uh roll into your application that claim to thwart um, any type of uh, fingerprinting technology and basically allows you to do the same thing without loading in the Facebook advertising SDK. And I think Snapchat also got, um, I'm going to use your term, put on blast or uh, to, to got, got bubbled up about them doing some, some shady fingerprinting stuff too. But no, that like this objectively is a good fight for Apple to pick, but also it's a, something they're privileged to be able to do because Every time they've had a product like that, like the whole iAd platform, it is crashed and burned. So it's just not their core business, so they don't care. Yeah. All right. Anything else with that? No, I think we hit it. All right. <laughs> An abrupt transition. Bagels. Mm, yeah. So 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 a, a, a couple of months or a month ago, the the, the whole because uh, luckily with the new administration, we've been allowed to. Uh, have dumber controversies. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. uh, uh, the New York Times did a thing about uh, the best bagels aren't in New York. They're in the Bay Area, which or I think they just said California. But I think like three of like the four places they cited were in the Bay Area. Um, and yeah, bagels are great. And uh, we've I think we've probably talked about this in the past. But um, friend of the show, whether he knows it or not, Dave Pell. I think you had brought this up where in next draft he had mentioned that there's a place in San Anselmo that has good bagels. Right? Right. Uh what's it what's it called? Uh, go into Slack. Is this is this the place that you sent me the picture of? Well yeah, I remember like, this was a couple weeks ago. Uh, uh oh yeah, so it's called Bart- Barton's, Barton's Bagels. Bagels, yeah. Yeah. So it's in the main, like the little mini uh mini downtown area of San Anselmo. And it's good. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. Um, it's for a place in Marin. It is super, super cheap. A bagel is a dollar 30, which feels like a steal, um, with, uh, like toasted with cream cheese. I think it's like two eighty or something. Uh, the, the dollar amount, not the freeway. And yeah, it's, it's good. I would, I would recommend it. Um, I'm not sure anything. It's super anything to write at home about, but I mean, it's nice to know there's a good bagel shop, like within a 10 minute drive of here. Um, so yeah. you what what like what day of the week what time of day did you go? Uh, so this was when I was driving up to Washington. So this was two Saturdays ago or three Saturdays ago. So this was midday. wasn't super busy. Um, they they move quick and um, yeah, I got myself in because the 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 best uh, the answer to what's the best bagel is always sesame seed, and it was great. Because yeah, my my reservation with trying some of these these bagel spots which which i'd very much like to do is you know even during non-pandemic times i'm not 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 a real big fan of standing in line for for food well then how have you but, survived here waiting in line for over for overhyped food is a is is what the bay <laughs> if, if the bay area had a flag that would be is is a line wrapped around uh outside of foreign cinema uh, well, foreign cinema is a bad example because you can get a reservation there, but, uh, fine. <laughs> no, I mean, my answer would be either places that own the places that allow reservations or people that allow me to order ahead and I can just pick up. That's been, kind yeah, of my, I feel like a bagel shop. It shouldn't be an order ahead place, but, but anyway, like it, it, it was a short line. There were like four people in line. The, it, it's a, it's a very big, uh, airy. So well, actually, let me see if I have another picture, but it's very big inside and, um, the people that were good and the people in line were were not being terrible. Okay. Um. Anyway, what's your What's your top? Oh, oh, and this is actually. Oh, yeah, this is right outside when um. Uh, I saw the HBO Max fan. Mm. Which I, again, I do not think there are Netflix fans. Uh, yeah, what's What's your your best bagel? Well, not, I mean, not that, place. That's what what, I, what kind of bagel? That's what I was going to say. Is that I'm I'm not normally this kind of guy like this kind of food snob but i i've not really found a good bagel here like in california and okay so where 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 is a good one then i I mean i've been in new york a few times and my memory of the bagels there has been very very positive so um Hmm. But I mean, I, you know, I, I can't say that I've been to like a ton of different places here and, and, and nowhere on like this from this New York Times article or anything. I don't think so. I'll admit that 
I maybe need to to broaden my horizon a bit more. Yeah. Oh, to send you a picture of the menu. Yeah, good, good, good selection. Very, very reasonable prices. Uh, I did also buy a spicy bagel dog, but I do not. I would say that was more of a swing and a miss. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was basically a Costco hot dog, except I think they make the 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 hot dog bun out of like bagel dough. It was it was an impulse buy that I regret. Yeah, well, you you were on vacation. You're allowed to make those kinds of poor decisions. Um, oh, is 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 okay? That's like that's a uh, yeah. There's no uh, no double jeopardy, or they can't rest you. you. Oh, that's yeah. you know. I mean, as has been long chronicled on this show, I'm very much into trying weird food and drinks and where i'm in my zone with that is when i'm on vacation that's where i really lean into that Um, yeah i i'm trying to work through it but i always have uh i'm not here often so i just get super decision paralysis whenever i'm on vacation and you get and you get everything no i i get nothing oh i just go go to like a starbucks and get an egg witch because no 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 no. you just just buy everything that's the answer yeah uh, no. which which a lady friend likes to give me a hard time <laughs> what do you what do you mean so you're, you're just like by like ordering for like eight people but it's just like i don't, I don't know what i wanted exactly <laughs> okay um but i do i do want to try some of the other places on there but i just haven't had um because i think one of them was in berkeley and um i think the the wise sons that's in the larkspur it takes mart to the mart i think that one is still closed but that mm-hmm. one's always been a reliable bagel um did you get a coffee from this place? I see they, they got a nice nice looking espresso machine. I did not because I had a ten hour drive ahead of me. But got it. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> as of right now, in terms of uh, road tripping uh, advice uh, that you can probably cut from this episode, yeah. Without without uh, in a pandemic, uh, yeah. Starbucks bathroom breaks are always are, are less uh, opportune than they used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, okay. And then the last thing, unless you have anything else, you got any other priorities this week? Um, I can flip through the notes here, I guess. Um, nothing, nothing time consuming, I don't think, or uh, time <laughs> sensitive, rather. <laughs> uh, Freudian slip, that's okay. <laughs> um, I hate Google Sheets. Mm. Do you like Google Sheets? Because I, because I feel like, so you probably work in a job where you're you're in Excel a lot, but I feel like you're in a collaborative environment where you probably get stuck using Google Sheets too. It, I, I feel seen. <laughs> Because I fucking hate Google Sheets so much because I, I always find that one, I use Chrome. I'm not like one of those weirdos using Safari. I still find that whenever I right click on something in Google Sheets, 60% of the time, it still shows like the, like, you know, like the, you're right clicking on a normal website. It's like, hey, do you want to view page source? No, I just want to delete these rows. And it's the worst. And the, and the shortcuts don't work. Or the keyboard shortcuts don't work the way that you want them to. And it's not a real application. But there's nothing else that allows you. It's not like I don't have Office 365 or whatever. Like I, I and I don't want to use Excel in a web browser. But there's not really a way to like easily ever share, um, a spreadsheet with somebody else that's either collaborative or where you don't have to email them a new attachment every, every three days. But I hate Google Sheets so much. And I, and I, I, I it, in confessions here because there's a safe space. I fucking hate all of G Suite except Gmail. Like I know we use Google Docs for this, and it's fine, but I don't know what what, it, what I I love Excel and and I just don't like Google Sheets. What what is your opinion? No, we're we're perfectly aligned here. I 
when presented with with a task that requires spreadsheet work, I will always prefer 10 out of 10 times will always prefer to use Excel over Google Sheets. I mean, Excel is just superior in, in so many different ways. Um, I mean, not to mention, it's just it's just so much faster. Uh huh. Which you know, I mean, or, a, native, or just, a native app compared to a web app. That's I mean, well, but also not just news, just but. because it's not a web page, like just the navigation. It's not like you're trying to comb through a whole ton of data. It's just that keyboard shortcuts and mousing around. It's just you just don't ever have that lag. Yeah. Um. But you know, it, it, Google Sheets and the whole GDoc suite. It I mean, it's second to none with its ability to work in a collaborative environment where you've got multiple people working on the same thing even at the same time like there's nothing even close to to being as good as the google doc stuff or the uh, g doc or uh, g app suite whatever the hell it's called thing um is and 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 for that it's 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 really good so you know being you know having been at companies now for you know, the past four plus years where um, Google Sheets and Docs and stuff has been like a big, just a big thing. Like I've gotten to a place where I still prefer Excel, will always prefer Excel, but I've I've gotten to a place now where when I have to work with Google Sheets, I can manage and I super respect the collaboration component of it and that there are many many use cases where that's incredibly helpful yeah so i guess and and as uh confidential or or not specific as possible like what is it just that if it's something that's solo it's going to be excel or what what allows you to pick your tool basically yeah or it's solo or is a spreadsheet where only one person's going to be working in it at any given time. Got it. And can then be shared, you know, on like a Dropbox or something. Got it. Yeah. It's the worst, but it's the best we have. Yeah. Like democracy. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. And then vaguely related to that, the iOS home app is the worst too. I got um, another Hue thing recently that we'll get discussed maybe next week. And I hate the home app so much. I I I don't know how I got sucked into it, but I, I still don't know what the difference between a room and a zone is. And it doesn't work or make sense. And it's a bad app. And I don't know what to do. Chef specials. Let's do it. What you got? I'm stealing one of yours from Ooh. a while ago. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So. As you get the tall or the regular? We'll get into that. Okay. As previously mentioned on this very episode, I've been working full time at home now for, for well over a year. And it occurred to me recently, this is actually the keyboard and this were all were actually all kind of related, where it occurred to me that I've spent very little time really thinking about the ergonomics of my setup because as much as i like something like the, you know the magic keyboard it's a very not ergonomical <laughs> keyboard um and the the chair that we have here in the office very nice looking chair really good chair for occasionally sitting in <laughs> not a good chair to be working full time in 
And one of the things that dawned on me the other day when I was realizing that I was getting some lower back pain was that because our desk here sits up relatively high and is, is not adjustable in any kind of way, um, in order for the chair to be at an appropriate height for the keyboard and mouse, my feet don't sit flat on the ground, <laughs> which, you know, you would have thought I'd realize that sooner, but here we are. Mm-hmm. And when that had dawned on me, I remembered that you had mentioned on the show that you had this little foam thing that was underneath your desk that you could you could rest your feet on. So I, I asked you what that was and you sent me the link. And as you asked me about, you know, there's two different sizes of this thing, a regular and a tall. I assumed that the regular would be fine. I kind of measured it out and it, it seemed like that would mm-hmm. be the best fit. It was a little too short. Yeah. So I'm doing it. I did the thing, which I hate doing, but I bought the tall one and I'm going to return the regular one. Yeah. Um, it's not the inconvenience. It's the guilt. It, 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 it's Amazon, especially with the whole Kohl's thing, makes it so easy to return stuff. <sighs> can, can we put a pin in that real quick? Like I, so I don't do Amazon returns a lot, but I hate because I don't know the rhyme or reason, because sometimes it's like, hey, if you want to do a free return, you go to the UPS store. But sometimes it says you have to go to Kohl's. And for me, that's not For you, that's not very all. convenient, no. For me, it's it's very convenient. For you, not so much. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, for, you know, the convenience factor is is great. I mean, you don't even have to put it in a box. You just literally, you know, you hand the person the item. You scan a thing on your phone. You're good to go. But, it's yeah, it's, it's the shame and the guilt of it. Uh, but anyway, the the tall version of this little ergo foam footrest thing is is really nice. It it hasn't magically solved the ergonomic challenges of of this office setup, but it's it's a step in the right direction. Nice. Yeah, you don't you don't ever want to do the whole like you're nine years old at the. At the supercuts thing where your, your legs are dangling, so. which yeah, which I which I was doing, or like I was I was actually doing like the six year old thing where I'd have my legs like curled up underneath me where I was like sitting on one of my feet. It's it's bad. <laughs> well, but yeah, because you can't do that because then when you want to go and get an espresso, you have the like you're you're walking on nails for for thirty seconds because your right. feet's asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I had a pick, but no, I don't. Hold on. Um, and this thing where where there's a dramatic dramatic pause like on the daily. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I do. Um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. I got nothing. Well, I I well actually uh, a, a a teaser for next week. I have a couple of picks that are in the works that I think like you, like the keyboard thing require uh, a week to marinate before they get promoted or, or, or they get chopped. <laughs> nice. 